battle battle royale. <laughs> it's a battle. Start, it's a battle royale. Final Fantasy 16 is a battle royale. It is not an action game. It's not an RPG. It's, it's a, a battle scale, royale. But you know, larger scale armies, not people. But you know, it's like you know, forcing everyone in. Oh my goodness! It's a it's battle true. royale that the uh, that the mother crystal is like playing and flipping the switches, and is like, ooh, ooh, here comes the blight. <laughs> Welcome back to the State of the Ark podcast. My name is Mike. And my name is Kason. We're back to discuss Final Fantasy 16. Yeah. Uh, we've gotten much further in the game since last time. Yep. Um, I, I don't think we're going to be able to talk all the way up through what we've played through today. No, I don't. But I just want to let people know we have gotten past the, uh, well, I'm going to even refrain from saying that, uh, the Drake's Head mission. That in thing, Sam yeah. Breck. Um, it kind of comes to a head there, everything. Yeah. I think even before you accept the mission, it says this is a like a turning point, like an important part of the mm. story. If you go past this, like there's no coming back. It's like one of those types of things. So we finished that whole thing. Yeah. Um, but I don't think we're going to talk that far. Uh, I suspect we will go past the Ifrit icon battle. Uh, which is kind of the next one, and then maybe yeah. a little further than that, but that's yeah. probably it for today. Okay, so we left off with the the last icon battle between Garuda and Ifrit. Uh, Benedicta is dead, um, and basically Clive is taken back to the hideout. And yeah. before we continue on with that, there's a big battle scene between yeah. the, em the Empire of Sambrek and the Kingdom of Wallowed. Yeah, and very interesting. There's two more icons that fight in this battle. Yeah, it's Bahamut and Odin. No, not yes. Odin. Yes. Is it Odin? Odin? It is Odin. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the son, so I, I, I get, what, what do you call the son of an emperor? Is it prince still? I guess. I think they call yeah. him prince. Yeah, but prince. Anyways, the prince of, of Sambrek, um, who is the dominant of Bahamut, and then the king of Wallowed, who is the dominant of Odin. So basically just starts out with Odin on the field already. Yeah. And then he decides to take his Bahamut form and they he fight back to. and forth. It's so funny. It's so interesting how how easily he switches back from Bahamut to his normal self. Like he'll he's just like, oh, I got to do something. And he's just like flies up there and battles Odin for like a while and then comes right back and he's like plotting with his men. It's so interesting because the way we've seen dominance become dominance in this game yes. up to this point is like <laughs> it's a big deal and it's not like that simple but this guy seems to have very precise control over Bahamut yeah um, and seems to be less affected after the transition yeah he does he's not coughing he's not in pain yeah it's yeah. like it's like he's got a really tight relationship there whereas for maybe Sid or any of the others it's like there's some tension between them and their dominant there's or them and their Icon. There's also the possibility that Sid's been awakened for a much longer time. There's that scene oh, in uh, Martha's Rest where he like shows his arm and like yeah. part of his arm is already petrified. It's turning whitish. Yeah. And he's, he says something about the result of a thousand thunderbolts or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So it could be that Sid is uh, sort of in the, in the, he's much further along as yeah. we learn. The more sure. you use ether, the more ether is sort of like filtered well, through the body. The more it uses you. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. The more you use it, the more it uses you. 
So it's possible that his name is Dion, Dion Lesage, Lesage, Lesage. Um, he awakened, he's, he's definitely a lot younger than Sid, so maybe yeah. awakened more recently. Yeah. It's not affecting his body as much yet. Um, so maybe it's just, but he, I mean, he doesn't stay in that form for very long. It's like their spat is no. maybe a minute, minute and a half top. And then he comes and right then he back. Just, yeah. He just like whoop and then goes and like gets a drink in it's the tent crazy. while they keep it's fighting. Crazy, yeah. <laughs> just takes a break for a second, and then oh my gosh, you know, he basically he learns that uh, they're not going to be receiving reinforcements to the battlefield. Yeah. There's a problem back in the Empire. Oh, but is my father okay? Yeah, he, you know, he he's alive. That's all that matters. We don't need reinforcements. I'll take care of the enemies here, and then he goes yeah, back out. Goes he steps back again. out. It's almost it like. Cool. Uh, like a boxer going to the corner of the ring, you know, yeah. so as soon as the bell After rings, the he round. just walks back, sits down, <laughs> you know, spits his water out and like talks to the coach who like massages his muscles for a minute and then yeah. just gets right back up and he's ready to fight again. Yeah, exactly. <coughs> um, so anyway, it's a pretty cool scene. There's not really a lot to talk about there. Yeah. Um, I, other than just like as soon as Benedicta is gone. Now we need new characters. We That's need true. new, and so they immediately <laughs> start introducing us to. Okay, here's the next. Or here's some other people. This is some other stuff that's going on. Here's the other people that you're going to have to worry about in the future. And it's basically showing us that Willowed and Sandbrecker in this sort of almost constant yeah. battling back and forth for territory. Again, as the bright the blight is spreading in both continents, Willowed is in Ash, which is the eastern continent. And the entire eastern side of that continent is basically taken over by the orcs and just the blight in general is just ravaging that side. Right. So it's like pushing them further to their west coast. And then so mm -hmm. they got to go west into storm if they're going to find more land, you know, habitable land. Yeah. And Sam Breck's doing the opposite. They're in the north, uh, maybe south, like, and they're right. going south and, and east yeah. trying to find fertile land. And they're both kind of just running head to head into each other at that point where it's like this land right here is going to be the it's last. It's like the strategic, the key strategic point. Yeah. yeah. And there's there's a whole nation right there in between the two yeah. that are kind of caught up in this, uh, the crystalline dominion or whatever, mm. uh, which we'll talk about next episode. But So anyway, the blight is sort of spread, spreading from the outer portions of the land inwards. And so it's kind of pushing all of these factions further and further towards the center. That's between the two, like, uh, oh, what was that? The Hunger Games, but yep. the battle, battle royale. <laughs> it's a battle. Start, it's a battle royale. Final Fantasy 16 is a battle royale. <laughs> it is not an action game. It's not an RPG. It's this is a battle scale, royale. <laughs> but you know, larger scale armies, not people. But you know, it's like you know, forcing everyone in. Oh my goodness! It's a it's battle true. royale that the uh, <laughs> that the mother crystal is like playing, and flipping the switches, and is like, ooh, ooh, here comes the blight. <laughs> It's totally true, dude. <laughs> Final Fantasy 16 is a freaking battle royale. Anyway, um, that scene's cool. And then the next one takes us back to Sid's hideaway again, and we've got Clive in the dungeon, the prison area. Uh, That's right, chained yeah. up Because he can't really control himself, right? No, they're all kind of like, whoa, what's going on? This guy is Ifrit. This yeah. is crazy. This Well, they wouldn't know that. The second, a second icon of fire, this is impossible. impossible. Why does this exist? You know what's crazy, too? I think that they locked him up not just because he was out of control and they didn't know if he would turn again. 
I think they also locked him up for his own safety. Yes. Uh, because it, the conversation they're having immediately when Clive wakes up is like basically Clive wants to, he wants to, to kill, kill himself. Him. Yeah. yeah. And so Sid locking him up served two purposes. It kept him from just immediately, because impulsively that's all Clive wanted to do right away until Sid can talk to him for a little bit. He needed to kind of be bound for that to happen though. Yeah. I'm, uh, this is totally tangent going off of our joke about this being a battle royale. I know. I'm but thinking just, of it too. I just had the thought because people are talking about the spinoffs and whatever. Oh yeah. yeah. We, here's a here's a mashup. Here's here's a genre mashup that we need. We need RTS mashed sure. with battle, battle royale. royale. So it's literally like that, army. That's this game. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm talking about like raising armies, resources, yeah. all this stuff. But like there's a, a shrinking there's a blight field. <laughs> yeah. And you have to stay inside of that and continue harvesting resources and battling until there's only one army left. That's great. That would be a cool game. Oh, man. Somebody should make that. What was that? What was that? Samurai? I'm talking, I'm talking like, uh, you know, Command and Conquer or like... Uh, yeah, something like that. Uh, what's the other one you guys used to play? Star... Oh, Starcraft. Starcraft yeah, type of yeah. game. But it's a battle royale field <laughs> with a shrinking map, <laughs> and you have to keep moving in and abandoning your past, like, You have to abandon your bases. And yeah, bases keep building new bases. Keep building new bases. That'd be freaking crazy. That would be really cool. That's basically <laughs> what uh, what's happening here. <laughs> so this, that's what this game is. <laughs> anyway, what were you saying? I can't remember. I don't remember either. Um, yeah. Well, Not important. Clive, they're, they're chaining him up to protect him. To protect from him. himself. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, oh, I killed Joshua. And when Sid comes in, he basically just starts screaming at him like, it was me. I'm the one. Yeah. Kill me. And kill me now. <laughs> and Sid, Sid, I know. And, and Sid knew, <laughs> probably knew that this yeah. would happen. Um, and this is his line. I didn't know you had it in you. <laughs> it's like, I can't believe he went there. That is so evil. Like, that was too far, man. That was too far. I love Sid, but man, that was too uh, far. That joke, uh, what do Ouch. they say? It's like, uh, too soon, too soon. Too right? soon. Way too soon. Like, immediately. He's like, yeah, I didn't know I had it in me either, and it murdered my family. Jerk. Uh, yeah, it's a little too soon for that one, but um, it was funny. It was funny. Um, anyway, he sort of, you know, knocks sense back into him. Yeah, like, he's like, you still got to get revenge. Look, you still, he's just using the revenge idea yeah. just to keep Clive going. So he's like, you know, that's that line we talked about last time. I figure I could take you if that's really what you want. That's right. But like, yeah. first I felt I'd, I'd give you the benefit of my timeless wisdom, right? Like, yep. listen, I've had Gav out looking for your dominant. So like, let's go talk to him. Let's go figure right. out what he, what he, that guy's you, still out there. Joshua's killer yeah. is still out there. Yeah, like, yeah. even if you're the one who killed him, this this dude who showed up had yeah. something to do with this. Right. So let's find out the truth. It's a win-win situation for you. Yep. If win, this win. guy was responsible, you can kill him. Yeah. If he's not and you were responsible, you can kill yourself. Then and kill then, yourself like, then. Then, you, then sweet. Like, you yeah. took revenge either way. But Gav's been working hard for you. Right. And the, 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 you know, the least you can do is go listen to what he has to say. Because right. he's been out there risking his life to find this guy for you. So let's go meet him in the King's Fall and see what he has to say. So that's where he head next. And what you find out is there's yeah. a bunch of Imperials in the area and Tons. Gav's in trouble. They're chasing him. Well, right him. before we find that out, Clive is walking across a bridge. And yes. He, he just stops and looks looks down yes, over the right. edge of the bridge for like a long, a time. Little, <laughs> a long Yeah, a little too long, right? 
And the the implication is like he he just wants to jump, right? Yep. But then he sees the Imperial soldiers, and then Gav is running, and he's like, "Oh shoot!" Now he he's got purpose, right? Yeah. Like even after um, even after Sid's talk with him, he wasn't totally. He still mm-hmm. has that in him. He still is thinking like, "Is is any of this worth it?" Right. But as soon as Gav needs him, and it's obvious, it's present, it's right then, mm-hmm. uh, he kind of is able to throw that away and go uh, have some have some experience some meaning in, in his life again <laughs> for a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, you you kind of have a whole level here. You fight a bunch of enemies, and I think they have some yeah. Minotaur enemies that serve as, like, mini-bosses. But at the end of that sequence, you finally catch up with... Oh, you fight a Dragoon, I think. Or if not a Dragoon, just a tough Imperial warrior. Yeah, a really hard I, one. Yeah. I seem to remember it being a Dragoon, though. Anyways, I can't remember. Uh, you, you, you catch up with Gav. He's kind of walking towards the edge of, like, a cliff that goes into a river. And he's kind of being pushed there by a bunch of guys. You fight him. He falls, but he like catches the rock at the last yeah. second, and you pull him up. Right. At and the last second. essentially, what it. he reveals that he found out was yes, this hooded man you're talking about is definitely a dominant of fire, no mm. question about that. Yeah. And I also found out they're heading to your old stomping out grounds in Rosaria. Rosaria. And he's like, and this confuses Clive because he's like, what are you talking about? Second dominant of fire? Like, how could that be? Because my brother was the dominant phoenix right and he's gone he's gone i'm the i'm the dominant that i was chasing so yeah if he is a dominant of fire like what what does that mean so it creates kind of a new mystery it does something to be solved there um although the, it is solved very quickly. it's solved very quickly <laughs> very quickly <laughs> afterwards but um it's interesting to think that it's been 13 years yeah the phoenix could have been reborn in sure. someone else that is something and then it would be a 13 I, year old kid i've wondered about they haven't really explained this and i haven't seen anything in the atl yet yeah how long when does it take? a dominant dies how long is it before that icon shows up in a new person is it right like right away is it many years i like, would guess I don't it really takes know. maybe a little while or what's the average or what does it typically do Right. If it skipped Clive and went to Joshua, Clive is like at well, least three years older than Joshua. And it also skipped Clive's father. Right. But how long ago did Elwin's yeah, father good die? Good question. Good question. Before, did he die before Joshua was born? I don't know. If he died, I would assume he died before even Clive was born. I would he died think early, so too because they were expecting but, Clive to be the next dominant. Yeah, so he couldn't have been alive, but who knows? So you're right. But theoretically, let's just say if... It happened immediately. <laughs> then the Phoenix Dominant could be 12 or 13 years old sure, now. Sure, at this which point. Which seemed to be, at least for Joshua, seems to be around the time when the powers awaken yeah. in a new you know, wielder, a yeah. new Dominant. Right. Um, so that's that's just a possibility I want to throw out there. It's wrong, as we'll see in the next <laughs> scene. But, you know, Clive, in terms of what Clive could be thinking, oh, maybe a new Dominant is born, right? A, a second Dominant yeah. fire. It's possible. Anyways, I don't know what's up. I don't know. But it is revealed. This is Joshua. Yes. The hooded person we've been chasing is Joshua, and I don't know how well, that's possible at the moment. It's so confusing because yeah. in the battle against Ifrit, the hooded person is Clive. He sees himself in the you, hood. You do see both. And you so do see it both it's ways. like, which I have hooded interpre- person? I have an interpretation <laughs> there. I've got, I've got stuff to say about it there. I, because of that, because I yeah. saw that. Where Clive takes off the hood and it's himself. Yeah. I am currently of the belief that the hooded person he saw in the 
in, in at Phoenix Gate back at the beginning was, again, also him. was himself. Oh, not rid of Joshua time, travel. time traveling. I don't think it's a time travel story. Oh, okay. Is what I'm saying. Right, Basically, okay. that got ruled out when I saw that. So that's me. so strange. So Clive sees this hooded person, and then Joshua becomes that same looking hooded person yes. 13 years later. I very interesting, yes. but. Because there's something to do, but that we can't talk about that yet because that's the next that's episode fine, fine, with the fine. whole what's revealed about the fallen civilization and all that stuff. Interesting. Um, but anyway, I, I, I huh. failed to say this last time. I'm kind of pissed at myself for doing that because I had talked about you before we recorded the episode about oh. where I had guessed that Joshua was the hooded oh, uh, right. man. And it was in a scene that we forgot to talk about where... The castle, Kara Norvent, is sort of being burned and collapsing. Oh, yeah, and we're and, following him. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's a scene where he and his companion are leaving yeah. the, ca the castle where I went, that's Joshua. He, is, he was, was using fire to like, yes. burn everybody, yeah. Yes, and it was like, okay, I'm pretty sure that's Joshua. And then, mm. so when he took off the hood, I was like, yep, that was him. So, but it it is crazy that it was revealed as soon as it was. I, this is not I something I would have expected early. to come basically up until the part where we played up to. I would have expected yeah. that to be the moment yes. where they revealed right. Joshua was the hooded guy. <laughs> but instead but, they show it here. Yeah. And But then they don't do anything with it for, for a little while. Yeah. So they, they decided to reveal to us before it became revealed later to, on. Yeah, to Clive but or anyone else. Also, he looks like Roxas from Organization he 13. sure does. <laughs> And sure with does. that hood and everything, it's yeah. just, uh, I don't know. I feel yeah, like there's something there. Some Kingdom Hearts stuff going on. Maybe he'll be <laughs> in the next Kingdom Hearts game. <laughs> um, okay, so when you get back to the hideaway, uh, Jill has woken up. Mm. And Clive is really um, conflicted about going in there and talking to her. Obviously, he's happy. She's fine. But yeah. like at the same time, he, he knows he killed Joshua. He doesn't. Uh, yeah, and he doesn't want to talk about it. He sees himself as a monster. Yeah. <laughs> And he'd have to explain why her life has been destroyed and it was his fault. Right. And all this, he right? He killed all those people. But, you know, Sid sort of pushes him to it. So he goes in there. They have a, you know, a really nice reunion between each other. She sort of explains what happened after, you know, what happened in Phoenix Gate. She got captured, taken back. She was threatened, like we were talking about last time. Yeah. The other women, Rosarian women who were taken as captives, would be tortured, killed, whatever, Unless, if she didn't fight for yeah, them. Yeah. So she sort of felt coerced into fighting for them. And yeah, she's, and there's even a great scene a little bit later where her and, we'll wait to get to that point, but she basically, like I said last time, she was hoping that that fight against the assassins who came after her was going to be the Was going to kill her. Yeah, yeah, she was She was ready for this to be over. She right. just didn't want to continue anymore. So the fact that Clive is alive, it really is you, you know, this is a really great thing. However, she says something uh, about the way dominants are treated or whatever. And he says in response to that, you know, they treat us, including himself, this way. And then she's like, whoa, wait, what are you talking about? Us. Because well, yeah. she hasn't yeah, yeah, you're a, seen you're, him. You're a dominant? What do you mean? And then that's when he has to explain. Ah, yeah. I was the one who killed. I awakened as... A fire dominant on that night. I killed Joshua. I, you know, did all of this. She takes that pretty well. She takes it really well. <laughs> <laughs> She's just like, oh well, I know you didn't do it on purpose. He, I would, I wanted him to at least say, but I didn't do it on purpose. He yeah, never even he said didn't that. even say that. Um, she just knew that he meant it. Yeah, that way. she basically which just is, says, I know fine. you wouldn't have done that. Like I yeah. know you, and you know, sure. I mean, she was kind of like his sister. She grew up with them. Yes. Um, 
but she, her approach to this is basically let's go back to Phoenix Gate, where it all began. This yeah. dominant of fire you're pursuing, this hooded man, was on his way to Rosaria, anyways. Let's go there. Let's find answers. And if it so happens that you really did do what you're saying, then we'll deal with that together. Like right. we'll we'll face that and get through that, you know, together. She's she's going right back to her her younger self, yes. I think. Her more hopeful, like, oh well, if you don't pray to the stars, then I'll do it for you, kind of yes, thing. Like right. she's she was um she was younger than him, uh, but she seemed to I don't know, maybe push him in ways that he felt uncomfortable is sometimes, sure, you know, like, yeah. hey, if you, you don't want to do this, then I'll do it for you or that kind of thing. So, yeah. so you say goodbye to all the people, say goodbye to Gav, say goodbye to Karen and all the other people there in the hideaway, and you head out to Rosaria. Oh, did you um, see the Moogle, by the way? Yes. I actually <laughs> really liked what they did with the Moogle in this game. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know, like, you haven't played Final Fantasy thirteen or... No. Some of these other games. I think it's thirteen two, where one of the party members is a Moogle. And anytime they've had oh, a no Moogle way. actually speak like out loud, it's always voice woo, woo, woo. no, it's always been a really annoying high pitched oh, voice. Oh gosh, I hate that. Yes. I hate that. So okay, this okay. handling of this huh. weird Moogle language that just hmm. sounds kinda like the sounds they had in say Final Fantasy Nine or something. The woo, 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 woo. Yeah, I can't yes, make that right. sound, but like yeah. that's the sort of sound that they made before voice acting was introduced to yes. Final Fantasy. They sort of like made a language out of that and they just made him make those sounds. I, I like that way better. Than trying to give than, a voice. Than yeah. trying to give him a cutesy voice. Yeah. Way yeah. better. So I loved it. I loved the way that they introduced Moogles here. There was also an what interview. About, what about the uh, Final Fantasy VI voice from the ad for from the oh yeah, see, I, I would like that better Next. than the cutesy voice, <laughs> for sure. Uh, but no, uh, yeah. there was actually an interview where they they had almost decided against putting Moogles in the game at all because of I the was sort surprised. of yeah, the tone it. of the story they're going for. Right. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm glad that they put it in, and I, I liked the way they did it. It, mm. it felt good. It was like the first time seeing a Moogle speak with actual words, yeah, like making an actual sound, that I was like, oh, okay, like that doesn't feel like, uh, I wanna blow my brains out every time that character <laughs> talks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, okay, I, I liked the way they did that. I hope that in the future they would continue to kind of do Moogles in that way. Mm. Um, but anyways, uh, let's see. Yeah, <clears throat> Gav, you say goodbye to Gav. There was something in that conversation before you head out that I was going to say, but I'm forgetting mm. it now. Oh, he tells you about um, Martha's Rest, which is a uh, yes, like an yeah. inn uh, in, a, in a town village on the way there, and yeah. she is sort of in with the hideaway. You know, she sort of works with them. And he's like, if you stop there, I mean, basically, like, don't just talk to a lot of people because just of go straight to her. Your mark. Yeah. That yeah. people are not going to take kindly to you there. Yeah. Uh, but she'll you know, help you if you go find her. So that's where they go next, basically straight there. And uh, there's a there's a quick quest where you have to go find a carpenter to fix the bridge so that you can continue <laughs> on to Rosaria. That's right, yeah. But the really interesting part of this whole section, this this section at Martha's Rest uh, introduces the concept of petrification yeah, of the bearers. The yeah, yeah, that was crazy. Which is an idea that I really liked. Yeah. I really too. liked the idea that magic users, so bearers, people who are born with the innate ability to use magic without crystals. Mm -hmm. 
the more ether they channel, the more magic they use, the sort of quicker they go to their deaths in which they basically petrify and turn to stone. Yes. And it's a very painful death. Yeah. Um, and so the fact that they're made into slaves uh, and forced to do magic because crystals are a limited resource, right? So we... we <sighs> We could use all the same magic that these bearers do, right. but eventually we would mine all of these crystal mountains and they'd be gone. So in yeah. order to save, yeah. preserve crystals, they, they forced these magic users, bearers, into slavery and forced them to do magic innately. And what happens is they, they slowly it die. Uses, so you just treat them as a crystal. You treat yes. them as a tool. And then once yes. the crystal, I, I assume crystals are finite. Once you use the crystal up, it's just a rock now, right? Or it's yeah, just or gone. crumbles it's just, away or whatever. It's not, a, it's not a valuable anymore. Yes. Um, that That's really interesting. So what you say there makes me think of the way that they treat bearers in a different light. Mm. Um, instead of I, I hate bearers because, like, bearers, like, what's the point of bearers? Like, you guys are stupid. I hate you because of you were born different. Instead, I actually look at it more as guilt and shame. Yes. That they're like, society has decided that in order to exist, we have to use these people and throw them away afterwards. And, and we are not allowed to feel bad about that. Yes. If we feel bad about it, our society dies and crumbles and we lose to the neighbors. Yes. Right? Um, but... Uh, in order to have this kind of thing work, you have to detach yourself from these people. Yes. You have to pretend that they aren't actually people. Yes. Otherwise, this whole thing doesn't work. You, um, that's fascinating. That's yes. that's better than just the blank the blanket like, you know. Oh, I hate you because you're a bearer, and you. I just like. There's no sense to it. No. This gives this gives sense to it, and it's a deep sense. It's their own sense of personal shame. Yes. That's very interesting. I like this a lot, and you can yeah. see it having been set up by the the governing body by the system, the mm -hmm. system of governance, the, whether it's the empire or whatever, they look at their resources because it's their job to manage resources <laughs> yeah. to, you know, uh, uh, govern the people. Right. These crystal mountains won't last forever. No, we rely on their blessings yeah. to survive without them. We can't live. This is their belief. Yes. So we have to preserve them it's as like long as possible. The assumption. Yeah, yeah. So, Oh, here are these people that are born who have the ability to basically do what yeah. the crystals do. We will create a system in which we convince the people that they are less than human and that yeah. they are tools to be used so that we can use them as the tools and this will be accepted yeah. by the larger society. What I'm saying is, and that's that's right, but it's hard to convince people that these people aren't people. Yes. They had to have there had to be a way that these people would agree with that. Yes. And that's the way, basically. It's yes. like you, um, you... You can't survive without... You have to... Using them this act way. Act this way, yeah. Which is not true, as, no. as Sid comes to find out. Yes, exactly. Right? And that's why Sid's so pissed and he's on a crusade. Yes. Right? Right. So we'll get into him in a little bit. Uh, there's actually a whole ATL uh, entry about Ramo. And yeah. how the the dominant of Ramu comes to like have a, a certain wisdom associated with that icon and it starts to see the world as it is. Mm, nice. So whoever is the dominant sort of has well, their eyes opened up to how the world really works. It's like the book of the giver. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one that's born. Yeah. So this is why Sid is essentially becomes aware at all oh. that these crystals are the problem. They need to be right. destroyed. It's not 
very interesting. Uh, we don't rely on their blessing, you know, right. which goes back to the whole monologue at the very beginning of the game, yeah. the shadow of the, the, the crystal yeah, shadow and all yeah. that stuff, right, which we talked about last time. Well, but this is so interesting, though, because I, I feel like... I feel like... The world has to be really hard for people to accept this type of a system. Yes. Like, the world has to be really hard. And it seems to be quite difficult. Um, and if they don't do it, they lose their whole civilization <coughs> because the neighboring nation will do it. Yeah. And um, you can't survive otherwise. I don't know. I, I, I just like that a lot better than what, you know. Well, the, yeah. The more tropey, like, these people are just racist and that's just it kind of thing. You know, it's more like, it's more like, there's a reason why people think it's wrong. It's still wrong, but it's not just like such an obvious thing that everybody can it's just look at. It's not just because. No, it's for There's survival. It is literally a for survival. survival reason why the system was set up, but that's the greatest thing about it. The whole concept yeah. of this in the first place for me is that the reason is not true. Right. I, that's what I love. The reason yeah. was assumed from yeah. the beginning and they have basically been exploiting these people and self-perpetuating the problem that they are trying to address by using them in the first place. Oh, what was it? We talked about this so recently. I think maybe it was in the, it was in the last game in that we played. Autonomy. <clears throat> yeah. But you, oh, what is it? The, the problem of scarcity or the problem yes. of um, like uh, what uh, zero sum like you yeah. assume it's a zero sum game. So if I don't do it, then they will do it. Yes. And it's like, well, if everybody didn't do it, the world would be a better place. Yes. But because you know that if you They're don't do it, they will do it. it. Then yeah. you're going to do it too. And you yeah. end up participating in and perpetuating a system that could easily not be that way. Yes. But because you think that you don't trust your neighbors, then you participate in making it that way. Even if you do has, have like Rama, even if you do have the wisdom to understand like, whoa, it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. But I don't know about those guys, so I'm still going to get mine while I can. Yes. Um, and that's the way, that's the way those the world in works, power honestly. will yeah. think. Oh, for right? sure, yes. To maintain their power or whatnot. Yeah. Um, now, I'm not sure yet to what extent, say, the Emperor Sam Breck knows what Sid knows. Maybe they don't, maybe they do. I don't know. Yet. But <coughs> yeah, we don't know much regardless that. of that, um, I think it's true to life. In, in the sense yeah. that, like, what you're saying is true. If everyone came to an enlightenment of this topic, well, we could stop. But yes. what if Willowed continues well, to use it? Here's the example. Then what? Um, denuclearization, right? Sure. Every country on Earth, if you could poll the people and say, hey, would it be good if this world had no more nukes in it? You'd get 80, 90%. Like, yes, I agree with that. Yes. In probably every country in the entire world. Right. Yet there's still tons of billions of nukes. Yes. Okay, th tens of thousands of nukes all over. Everyone agrees that the world would be better without them. Yes. But who's going to get rid of their nukes first? Right. Mm, not me, right? Yeah. That's what everyone says. And it's yeah. like, okay, well, here you go. So it, The it, world keeps spiraling downwards. It you know? almost doesn't matter. It, yeah. Because it's, it feels like either way, whether the rulers of the world are aware of this or not, that they probably would have continued doing what they're doing anyways. Right. The system was built this way and it's really hard after however many generations yeah. of which that system has been in place and the people believe in it and oh, like, for sure to, yeah. to then start changing that and this is kind of you'd have to trust your neighbors yes right? and i don't think there's a country on earth that trusts their neighbors no. and this is where <laughs> sid is coming from and saying like 
I think his line is something like, uh, we can't talk our way out of this one, right? Like, Mm. there's no amount of talking that is going to actually change this at this point. We have to do something really, really radical at this point, which is destroy the Mother Crystal's handbrake. Destroy, (laughs) right? Essentially destroy the world as they know it. And, right. You better be right if you're going to do that. (laughs) Knowing that in the short term, yeah, it's going to be painful. It's going to be worse for the people you're trying to help. Yes. Because now they're going to be even worse to them. Yeah. They're going to try even harder to keep wow. the system in place. Dang it, we're they're getting too to, much We're going a little episode. further, but like this is all being set up yeah. by what happens here. Yeah. Just introduction that petrification is the result of forcing these bearers to use magic the way they do. What I and really, I loved that idea. Me too, because there's a, there's a hermetic principle, right? As within, so yeah. without, right? That yeah. the human is a, co- is a microcosm of the cosmos itself. Um, that as the bearers use ether, their body turns to stone. That you now let's scale that up. Let's talk about the planet. Let's yeah. talk about the country, the, the nation, the land. As the land continues to have ether used on it and through it and by it and all of that, then the land slowly begins to turn to ash or dust or, or uh, stone or whatever this blight is that's happening, right? Yeah. So as the the magic will kill the host, well, if is the host the person or is the host the planet, right? right? And either way, it's like it's the same effect, right? Yes. So it's you kind of see that um, as above, so below kind of idea working here, right. which is really cool. So that way symbolically things line up and this is a really cool like thematic point where they're able to hit it on multiple levels mm. and say that like, you know, think of think of the land as a person. Now that person is being forced to use magic and drain all of its life, right. you know? It's going to die. Mm. You can't do that. Yeah. Very good. So, uh, and the scene is that where they show this is pretty effective too. I mean, they, they go to deliver some medicine from Martha <coughs> to the abbot who's yeah. watching over these bearers. But what she basically does is all the profits that she makes from her tavern in, she buys slaves that are on the doorstep of death. She yeah. could not afford somebody who could still be used for work, but she buys the slaves yeah. that are like basically petrifying. Well, cause they're cheaper. Yes. Right. Those yes. are the pe- people are That's looking to get rid of those. Slaves. The only type of slave she could afford. Yeah. But she spends all of her profits buying them so that yeah. she could give them medicine and help their dying be not as painful and terrible. And so that's what this abbot does, basically. Mm. He just stays with the people. He's a beast. He teaches them Grieger's principles. Yeah, And he stays with them so they don't die alone. He's converted his whole church. Because as soon as you go in the church, because at first he's like, the church is closed. Like, don't come in. Yeah. And then he finds out who we are. And you go in and you realize that he's taken out all the pews. He's taken everything out. It is just hospital beds, basically. Just like bed upon bed where there would normally be like seats, seating arrangements somehow. And it's just uh, a sick house for sick people. Right. And so you're seeing these people, I mean, their hand like turned to stone and and, and the pain that they're feeling is they're sitting there just like petrifying to death. Right, until like their lungs turn and then it's over, right? And so then they're delivering medicine that he gives to them to help it not be so painful. You know what else I love is the idea of petrification does have, it links up to like Final Fantasy, like just the 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 battle effects and status yes. effects and stuff yes. like that like yeah. it links up to the world to the universe the general universe of final fantasy as yes. as a thing that happens and in this game in most games it's easy to cure that yes but in this game <laughs> it's like 
they don't have that cure. They in don't. This they universe. don't have the soft potions. Yeah, in this world. yeah exactly. <laughs> and so it's killing them, you know. But um, you can. I, I like the way that it connects into previous Final Fantasy. Entries. Yes, I, I, I do. This too. game is lacking a little bit in in some of that. Yes, but there's a few key points where it's like, oh, that's so Final Fantasy. Yeah, I I felt the same way, and I loved how it played into the whole concept of of maybe sort of the thematic core of the game we're talking about. Yeah. Um, but then linked it, like you're saying, into this very Final Fantasy thing that you almost took it, you almost, um, what's the word, I'm, took for granted. This is like, oh, the petrification status effect is a thing. Yeah. But you never really, it was never really used in a way like this. Not I, like I this. guess in no. Final Fantasy IX they did with the petrification oh, of the you're evil right. forest. You're right. Well, then and, this oh, is oh, we like gotta that, go then. like yeah. rescue our friend who got petrified in there. That's right. But this is kind <laughs> of right. the next level of that where. Um, it's kind of horrifying to see yeah. it happening in the context of this game in which it's happening. Yeah. And you realize like just how bad um, the system that is in place in this world is and how badly yeah. it needs to be overthrown and overturned and totally like rebuilt. Because you, you felt bad for the bears before. Yeah. Now you're like, it's even worse, it's right? Worse. It's so much worse than you even realized before that. Because at first it's just like, oh, he has to live a slave. Now it's like, no, he has to die the slowest, most painful death that you can imagine yeah. as his body slowly succumbs to this uh, petrification. Yeah. Um, it added a whole other element to it. But it also, it also made me understand why a woman would be really upset that her child, as we see an example, yeah. mm -hmm. that her child was born a bearer. It's like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? My kid's going to die early of stone petrification and I have to watch? No, thank you. Here, government, you have him. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go back and tell my other son that I just miscarried. Yeah. You know, like, that wasn't your brother is what she says yeah, to him. or right. she Because she's kind of open. She's like, yeah. I gave the bloody thing away. I can't. But imagine what it, you know, I, I still don't think most yeah. mothers would do this. Uh, but yeah. in that kind of a system where life is really hard, resources are scarce, and your kid is something that is going to live a tough life and die early, mm. guaranteed of a horribly painful death. And you're, you, do you want to watch that or do you want to kind of just pretend that that didn't happen? Yeah. Now, and that's part of what I mean when I talk about the guilt and shame of the people is the reason they don't want to get close to bearers. Yeah. They don't want to treat you like a person because they don't want to acknowledge that, you know, the, I don't know, the, the way the world works or the way that the government works and the whole system works for them is so like geared against them that they just don't stand a chance. And you just, you don't, and it's, it's, it's one step to just be like, Oh, just ignore him. Just, you don't have to be mean to him. Just ignore him. But like the culture needs to reinforce yes. that. And, and it turns into, you got to be mean to him. Yes. You can't, well, that, that's you exactly can't be nice. You can't even just be neutral. You have to treat them negatively yeah. because otherwise you're going to feel so bad about what's happening here. You can't think about that. Life's hard. Just you have to deal with it. Well, that's the easiest way yeah. to enforce a system like this as a governing body yeah. is to create an ideology, let's say a religion, if it's a theocracy like Sam sure. Breck, in which reinforces this concept of the people will enforce yeah. this system for us they for will you. believe in it yes we will teach them from the time they're little children like the little boy yeah, yeah. you know that's not really my brother right like right they we teach them no, from that wasn't your a brother. young yeah. age there was that a they're lot not of humans like us there's something yeah. wrong with them they're to be exploited they're tools and then they will keep the system going we don't have to yeah. you know once that's in place i'm sure it takes a few generations of 
people who weren't born in that system dying and then <clears throat> sure, like being, it's slowly it's but building I, culture takes a long time yes but once it's there then it's really hard yeah to break out of it and it helps too if there is some natural element to it like it does suck to have a bearer so like just the people the culture doesn't need that big of a nudge in yeah. order to kind of be pushed to that point yes right um, this actually stuff like this did happen in the Middle Ages, <laughs> but there was a there's a a a creature called a changeling. Have you ever heard of a changeling before? Well, in so, fantasy stories, not in real life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there was it, well, it's not real per se, but there was an old a thousand year old legend um, that you know if your kid started exhibiting negative health or poor symptoms or maybe was developing some disabilities um, yeah. that weren't apparent when they were first born, but that became apparent later on. Um, the assumption amongst lots of people, and this was a story that was told all around, was that a bunch of evil fairies came in and stole your child and replaced it with, with this. Changeling. It's called a changeling. And that's not your real kid. Mm. That's not your child. And then you can now tell your brothers and sisters, yeah, we've got this changeling here, but it's not your actual brother and you end up when and uh, once again life was hard right and it's like okay this kid this changeling is not your real brother and we're gonna have it do chores and basically be the little cinderella you know and and we can treat it less than human because something went wrong and obviously it's not our real kid because our real kid was fine so mm -hmm. our real kid must be dead or somewhere with the fairies and then they gave us this piece of junk, and now we can kick its butt and force it to do work for us. Yeah. Um, that is a thing that happened in the middle times. Uh, that's actually really interesting yeah. as a like a real world parallel because yes. I was not aware of that. Yeah, that actually yeah. kind of like changes the way that I see this in some ways, because I was a little bit uh, iffy on that whole little scene we're talking about with the mother who just me like, too because it was so obvious and yes. i kind of rolled my eyes at first the presentation of it is is it comes across as so yeah. black and white and, and surface like, come on. that it feels like there's not a lot of nuance yes there. like i, I was agree. thinking to myself I, I was thinking to myself i would have liked it better had people been gossiping about the mother but ah, she's actually of torn up mm. between the beliefs that she's been handed down about what a bearer is yeah. and maybe the way she's treated them as an adolescent, her peers that some of them awakened and the way she treated them and then having mm. a child that is one, this was a, uh, my baby, someone I was connected to, the, the, the maternal instinct kicking in and being like, but no, but and, yeah. and just be, not knowing what to do. I would have preferred right? that on its face. Yes. But this way gives us a little more insight into the culture. Well, if they had... Again, if they had somehow built this mm, teaching of the, the changeling saying. into the doctrine of Grieger or something sure. like that. Well it, well, it doesn't have to be religious. It can just be a folk tale that sure. people tell. And that, because, yeah. I mean, people still back, I mean, you still believed that there were werewolves in the forest sure. and, and, um, dragons in the ocean and stuff, you know, yeah. like a thousand years ago. <clears throat> and it, I don't know that those were necessarily religious teachings per se, yeah. but it was definitely like culturally uh, propagated, you know, yeah. amongst people of a certain, you know, right. like in Europe and stuff. Right. So anyway, um, it's probably enough time like on that. <laughs> and I'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk we about will. with that we will. coming up. But um, I liked the idea a lot is it, really the gist of it. Like, yeah, I thought it was very clever. Um, 
for all the reasons we explained. See, it's so funny because um, I love talking about this because I didn't come up with that wasn't in my notes. Yeah, Our mine last, either. Like thirty <laughs> minutes was not in my notes. Um, my own, the only note I wrote was some random woman gave birth to a bear and is all pissed about it. <laughs> that was my note, and it turned into this yeah, like right. thing. I don't know. I, I, I love I love talking that, about that's this stuff. why I love the podcast because <laughs> yeah. It's and it's not it's not only even like in the comments because we get a lot of great comments that bring things up I didn't think about before or that challenge the way I think or whatever, but also in the course of our conversation, there's just something said that sparks something, and there's something said yeah. that sparks something that you didn't think of before. This this is why I wanted to do this podcast this way to begin with because yeah. you just when when we come together sort of as a group right and we're yeah. all talking about it there there's I have gained like a. Such a deeper level of knowledge and appreciation for the games we talked about than I ever yeah. would have just researching it on my own, and so it's the collective, the collective like, group, unconscious, group an- <laughs> <laughs> the the group, the group analysis. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, okay, so let's get to the next scene here. So, oh, another thing too, just in general, is that it is mentioned at least by what's her name, Martha, 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 that yeah. um, under Elwing's rule, the bearers had it better. Yes, it wasn't as. Yes. Like rough, um, which is so interesting yes. because, like you had mentioned before, like it was still rough. It's still like, to consider that as the good times. Yes. is like oh man, this is a rough. This actually brings this a, is a whole rough another element of it that gets us into our next scene, though. Oh, good, good. Because somebody brought that up. Like you guys didn't even talk about how uh, someone was upset with me because of the way I had talked about uh, Clive not doing enough, or not something. doing enough. Yeah, and uh, you know, you didn't even bring up the fact that the Rossfields had gone to great lengths to um, make working conditions better for their uh, their branded, we, their bearers or whatever. We didn't go into and it, no. And so, that, I mean, it's true we didn't bring it up, but yeah. but my point was um, that's it's still not an excuse to own slaves. <laughs> it's still, like, he was better. <laughs> we treat our slaves better <laughs> is not an excuse for having slaves. So yeah, yeah. that was my point is that not to say Clive's a horrible human being. Oh, he should feel so much guilt and shame. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is he's going to find out through the course of this story as yeah. the tables get flipped in the system he grew up in, which he benefited from before. He's going to be at the bottom of that. And he's going to learn how wrong it was. Right. And that doesn't make him a bad person. Right. That means that he was raised in a system in yeah. which he, like everyone else, thought this was normal and fine. Of course, he was 15 or something, yeah. right? And yeah. he's going to learn that he was wrong. And that's okay to learn perfectly, that you were wrong. It's okay to learn fine. that you were given an advantage over someone else right. for no really good reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that you should do what you can being in the position you're in, which is I have the blessing of these freaking icons yeah, and I'm yeah. really, really strong and I can fight. <laughs> and I can actually do something about so it. With great power comes great, great responsibility. responsibility. You that's do possibly something. like the, the just truest... The, if, if scriptures was one page <laughs> and that was one of the few things written on that one page um, of the few things that I would consider that should be written on that page uh, rather um, that would be one of them yeah right if yeah. you've got a lot of power you got a lot of responsibility and um, you should use it properly yeah so the more power you have it's not you feel guilty for having it it's do something to help yeah. people who don't have power yeah. with it do what you can with what you have yeah and he wasn't. And he, had, he had a he, lot. He had a lot, and all, all he was focused yeah. on was protecting his brother. Hey, you know, if the if the slaves dropped an apple, he'd pick it up for him. You're being <laughs> way too hard on him. As the slaves carried 300 apples into his castle, he he carried one, and so you know, you're being a little too hard on him. I think the point is not <laughs> just, just that kidding. he's a bad person, or right. anyone should be sitting there going, "Oh, well, you suck." 
The point yeah, is, which you weren't doing. Hey, Clive, you can actually do a lot more. Yeah, and, I think, it, and it's your responsibility to do a lot more. I think when you said that, I think you were hinting at the, what the future of the game has to offer, which yeah. is, hey, Clive is going it's, to realize this. It's clear that this is where the game was going. Like, obvious and, at and, this and, point. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but what I That's what I really thing. like, in addition to the conversation we've been having, is you get to the next town, mm. which is where Murdoch's wife is, right? And she oh, takes you yeah. in. And she, was she, so nice. she um, you know, explains that Murdoch died, and that uh, Clive is again stricken with guilt because his flames are what killed his mentor. Because she, she just says he never came home, right? And he's like, "Oh, that was me." Yes, and he and does, now he, he knows. Yeah, so it's just like his guilt is just like yeah. layers and layers, of bricks being thrown into his backpack, so to speak. And uh, and there's a great scene between him and Jill that night yeah, when they're that looking good. up at the moon again. And With the he, little red star yep. right there. Full and, moon, and, once again. Yeah, and he explains these things, that yeah. it was him that killed Murdoch and how bad he feels. Because he, he couldn't sleep in, in her house. He's yeah. like, I can't even share a roof with her. I don't deserve it. Right? Yes. And basically, like, I don't even know why I'm alive. This was the only yeah. thing that gave my life purpose was taking out Joshua's killer and getting revenge. Right. And now I don't even have that anymore. Why am I still breathing? Mm. And he's like crying. He's like, he's yeah. like breaking down. That was down. a really, yeah, vulnerable, surprisingly vulnerable uh, moment there. Yeah. And then she I liked it. has a, a really great sort of response where I felt the same way. Like I wanted it to end when you were fighting me as an assassin. Right. I hoped you guys had killed me. Yeah. And we were both at that same point. But now we have each other to lean on. Right. And there's this great moment where she starts to kind of lean in and he doesn't yeah. know what to do. It's unfortunate they haven't done anything with that romance Not since yet, this but, moment. But hey, you know, we'll see. <laughs> but I really liked that scene. I thought I it was did too. great. Um, um, it's so funny too. It's so good because the, it's the what is it? The um, like sexual tension yes, shows up yes. that you didn't feel it before then because no. this is so good. I wrote the camera shows them lingering just a touch too long. Yes, and the sexual tension shows up, and when she says uh, it shows up around the time when she says that the heavens have a plan for us, and then yep. that happens. Then all of a sudden, then it gets really weird and awkward, yeah. right? It sounds like the plan is that they are fated to be in love. Sure. And that that fate is dictated by forces beyond their control. Because it's not like they're choosing. Like love, it's so funny, especially this kind of romantic situation, that like it's almost like the the mantle of love just descends upon them from from the ether. You know, yeah. it's not they didn't choose it. It's like the fates, the things that govern their fate are present right there. The heavens yeah. are dictating what happens. They don't have any control over it. But um, yeah, they're falling in love, and maybe uh, we'll see where that goes. Yeah, right. Sometime, um, but not, then, not soon. Yeah, the next morning they get up and they're about to leave, and there's somebody who says, "Hey, there's a bearer in this town who used to work in the kitchens." Yeah, an at, old guy at uh, Rosalith. Yeah, and it would be it would mean the world to him because sorry. Murdoch's wife gave him his father's old clothes. So he looks oh, a lot. Yeah, yeah. He looks a lot like young Elwin. Yeah, he's got the red, um, yeah. the vest, and the tunic, and all that. Yeah, thing. and so somebody else recognizes him. Oh my gosh, you're Clive Rossfield. There's yep. this guy who would just—it would make his world. He waits every day for yeah. his lord to come back. Please yeah. go talk to him, right? And this is what I was struck by in this scene, kind of on the back of the conversation we we're just having about a, situ a, a system being perpetuated by the people. Yeah. Like the government instills it. They sort of brainwash the people into it in whatever, however long that takes. They mm. accept it. Now they're the ones perpetuating it, the people themselves, right? And and the fact that the Rossfields were better 
to their slaves than the Empire is, for right. example, uh, which is something Martha mentions. I knew that the Empire treated their slaves yeah. like shit, but like I had no right. idea how bad it was until Annabella the Empire is, is essentially annexed this land. Yes. And now we're seeing it full scale, right? Yeah, yeah. So what's interesting to me oh. is that the bearer in question, when you go and you find him, he's old man, he's like, yeah. he's, he's almost like a dementia patient at this point. He doesn't Basically, really understand reality amazing what's going on around him. Amazing <laughs> he became that old, given that all the other bearers would die younger. That's a but question it's, no, that I have No, it's, it's, I think the answer is that, um, wow. The empire no. works their bearers way harder. You're right. And they die way earlier. And it's been 13 years. Because yes. my thinking is, oh, but the Rossfields treated their bearers well. So their bearers didn't suffer the same fate. They didn't, they weren't tasked as hard and so they don't yeah. petrify as quickly. So maybe that's why that guy was able to be older. Yes. But it, it has been 13 years since then. So, yes. And they probably know. haven't been using magic and whatnot in those 13 years because they've been sort of yeah. refuged here away oh, from Oh, that's being true. Enslaved. Well, then that They're would explain free. it there. That would explain it. Um, also, I, also mm. I had the question how is Clive not aware in this world that bearers keep become petrified? But it could be answered that way too. That the Rossfields, that the Rossfields so didn't hard. push their mm. bearers so hard. So maybe the petrification was either super rare or just didn't happen in yeah. their territory because they weren't pushed the same way as the empire does. Hmm. There could be the answer to that. But my point in all of this is that the slave wanted to go back to working he had been free yeah. in this village for 13 and years. And he wanted to go back And all to he kitchens. wanted to do is go back and be a slave again. Yeah. And this is something that can be very true, too. Oh, you yeah. You get a group of people, the people who are being exploited in a system, who see a situation in which it's better, or yeah. maybe like their lives were a little better under these people. Oh, yeah. And it's like they're willing to accept a certain, um, what is it, uh, become complacent at a certain level. Yeah. And not go all the way to being equals. Yeah. And yeah. they themselves mm. can perpetuate it. <clears throat> yes, of they course. They themselves yes. can be a part of that perpetuation of the system. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel, I, I kind of was struck by that, by these particular branded or, or bearers of the, of the Rossfields, mm. where it's like, they're not necessarily even interested in their freedom either. They just want a, a master who's nicer to them. <laughs> <laughs> that's and true. Like You're going to serve someone anyway. Years of brainwashing. That I means yeah. he's an old man, right? Right. Like, you don't get away for you got to wait for the generation. To pass. It's not just about breaking the 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 barrier of the the mode of belief for the people in power to change it. You got to also retrain oh, the people being exploited too to okay. think a different way. It's like a, yeah. such a freaking like deep problem no, to be addressed deep. that takes a super long time yeah. to actually fix. Generations of time to fix. Oh yeah, generations. Yeah. Uh, Harriet Tubman said, and she did the, she was the, uh, yeah. uh, operated the Underground Railroad. The Underground right? Railroad, yeah. Um, I, and she said that she could have, well, this is a direct quote. She said, I could have saved a lot more slaves if only they knew they were slaves. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And these were people who were at least looking back, yeah. like from 2023, looking back 150, 170 years. It's like, wasn't it obvious that they yeah, were slaves? Right? But even in those conditions, it wasn't always so obvious. And a lot of slavery, it's in your mind. Yes. Right? It's not so much the chains on your arms. It's like, it's a mentality. Yes. That you, oh, I, I am just a slave. That's what I am. And you can be convinced of that. And then you live it out and you perpetuate it amongst yes. the generations. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's that's what's so hard about it is 
we can look back and see that conflict of that time period as so black and white and easy. It's like, mm. clearly this was wrong. But for them, this was a nuanced conversation about whether or not slaves should exist or not. Yeah. And there were people... And there's different gradations. ...fighting on both sides of it, right? There, yeah. there was this... There, and then there were probably people in the middle who were like, well, we got to... Well, of course. Right? But th- and that's the thing yeah. is that the people who will look back on what we're talking about today will look back on it as if it was so simple yeah. and so easy and so, so black obvious. and white. Yeah. And so this has got me thinking about yeah. a lot of things going on today. And okay, sure. maybe it's not as uh, hard an answer as I thought it was, right. you know, like maybe anyways, I'm not going to get too much into that right now, but um, that's where my mind was going. This game is going to keep that present. I think when, in the mind. when I was playing it, and as we've been talking about it, it it's, mm. it's kind of making me think more about that. Yeah. Like there's, there's, there's probably easier answers than we like to think they are. We just haven't uh, gotten a consensus about it yet. Sure. The way that we do now about once, uh, like once a truly brilliant idea shows up and it it will be recognized and then we'll, we'll wonder how anybody ever got through life without realizing this obvious truth. Yes. But it's only obvious once someone points it out. Yes. Right. And in so many ways we may be looking past it or something, or it may not be so obvious. So another thing too, um, well, I'll bring this up later, but okay. <laughs> just, I'll talk about it more later, but I'll just say once again, um, in the book of Exodus, when Moses leads the Jews out of Egypt and then they're in the desert yeah. and they wanted to go back to Egypt. Right. They they were like, when we were slaves, we at least had food. Like we want to go back to Egypt yeah. and it's basically the exact same kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, told, and this is thousands and thousands of years old, this, yeah. this type of situation. Right. Um, I also have a lot of other things to say real quick okay. because some of my notes are, um, you know, we skipped a bunch. Um, first off, back at the other town, uh, in that church, we got our first really good, clear look at the goddess Grieger in the light with, like, well-framed and all that. Mm. <coughs> and um, she has a winged dragon about her feet. Yes. Which we're, I'm going to talk about more later. Um, but it's really interesting. So the circle doesn't, in this case, the circle is not centered on her heart but her navel. So maybe the placement of the circle isn't that important. It just needs to be somewhere there. Um, circles will come become very important uh, very soon as well, uh, probably in the next episode. Um, and then I was uh, wrote down here, this reminds me of the old medieval depictions of Mary, the mother of Jesus, stepping on the head of a serpent or a dragon. But in this rendition, the dragon is about her feet and they're, they're coexisting. They're living together, right? Mm. Like the dragon's her pet or, or her guardian. Um, yeah. I, I, I'll have more to say about that in the next episode. Yeah. Um, but the woman, there's the circle above, which is like the heavens. And then there's the dragon below at her feet. And then there's the woman, the goddess that kind of, she's like the conduit or she connects the two, mm. right? So the dragon and the circle are separate, but then the goddess can kind of unite both. Yeah. Um, Anyways, really good stuff. Um, now we've got this, uh, you know, the, the whole thing in the church. Uh, the priests tell, uh, this is really good. The priest kind of reads his last rites, you oh, know, like the, the last blessing. Bearer, yeah. And he tells him that he will rise again, right? So this is a, this seems to be an implication of like, a, they believe in something like a bodily resurrection or something sure. like that. Oh, yeah, that's right. He says you will rise again. You will rise again. And uh, yeah. receive all the happiness denied to you in this life or something yes. like that. Yeah, yeah. I thought about 
the Phoenix, that was and I thought about yes, like, me too, yeah. And these anyway. were Rossfield people, right? yes. So it could but, be, but Grigor, I'm pretty sure, is a imperial. You're right. Uh, religion. It's like the theocracy. But is, there, is the Grigor there could religion. be some flavors, some distinct flavors around. Yeah. You know, even Catholicism and the Orthodox Christian religions. Each country kind of has yes. a slightly different way that they. Well, and and on it. top of that, Rosaria was annexed by the empire several Recently. years before yeah, yeah. like 860 when Clive was young. So yes. like so it hasn't been that long. Yeah. Anyway. But even still maybe the empire teaches this as well. I don't know. That, yeah, that's what I'm saying is the, I, I think that the Grieger, the religion of the empire okay, yeah, and yeah. the phoenix, the symbol of the Ro- yeah. Rossfield house are sort of maybe being mixed into this speech about rising that, again and whatever. That happens. Yeah. That that is the thing the the pagan and then yeah, that that kind yeah. of stuff happens. Um Okay, and then of course we already mentioned that Sid is having trouble. His hand and arm are discolored. Sid's there. I was surprised to see him there when he shows up. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was like, "What the heck? You sent us here, and then you just showed up anyways?" Like, okay. There's actually some. In, there, was, there was a couple of really interesting things there too that I skipped over. I just remembered. Um, first of all, he talks about a girl he once knew back uh, in the day. It sounded who like Benedict to her fate. I thought mind. that too at first. Oh, really? But now I'm else? thinking it might be someone else. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Based on something I'm not going to go into yet. But um, he talks about someone he knew back in the day yeah. who was a slave to her fate, yeah. and how he's like giving this as a warning to Clive, like you can break free of the cycle, break free of your fate. This right. is like we that said. That just means that that very, was your fate, but you know, yeah. whatever. Well, exactly right. <laughs> but this is this is kind of very common in. Japanese games yes, in general because it's an Eastern philosophy, the wheel of right. samsara and breaking free of your fate or yes, free of the escaping, cycle, yeah. escaping the cycle, yeah. right? I mean, you see it in all, like all, all fantasy stories almost that come out of Japan, whether yeah, it's yeah. the Souls games or right. whatever. There's always a cycle that needs to be broken. <laughs> uh, Final Fantasy X did this. This game is doing that. Mm. Um, but in any case, uh, he uses a crystal to light his cigar. Oh in yeah, that scene. that's right. He even though he could with lightning light it himself yeah. with it because the the dominants can use magic without crystals, right? Like bearers can, but they can yeah. also summon icons. But and, and like Benedicta did that, she lit it with her own power. Um, later right. on, you'll see Clive light a cigar with his own power, not right. with a crystal. But Sid chooses to use a crystal. And I think he's it's because conserving that he's conserving yeah. because his arm is petrifying. He's like yeah. slowly meeting the same fate because obviously he's been using the iconic abilities of Ramu for years and years and years. Yeah. And it's like taking its toll on his body. So I liked that attention to detail there. I thought that was nice. Um, but I also think the person he's talking about in that scene is going to be a setup for something coming later. I don't okay, think it okay. would I don't think he was just referring to Benedicta who okay. is now a plot point that's behind yeah, us. Yeah, you think it's a future. <laughs> okay, you're actually yeah. that's a fair point. That's a yeah. fair point. Um what was the note that you had before the abbot and the last rites because there was something you said there I wanted to comment on. Uh the rise, the resurrection, um and then looks like Sid is in trouble his hand and arm. Oh, before they that, showed up. Before that. He showed up. Oh, even before, before that. the abbot. It was about the goddess Grieger and the statue and Yes, the that uh, I was just going to say the empire the Sambrek, they have the dragoons. So they they have ah. a they have like a almost well, a, and Drake 
Yeah. Is a the Drake names means of the dragon. crystals. Yeah. yeah. Drake's head. Drake's, Drake's head is tail, the dragon's head. Drake's breath. Right. These are the names and Drake's spine. Those so are the it's names all of named the after a mother dragon. crystals. Yeah. So, but they have a like a, a level of reverence for dragons in general. Yeah. That is probably associated with this symbol of Grieger mm. and the dragon. So yeah, they they like worship dragons almost. In, that's cool. In the empire, so that's why that's a part of that symbol. That makes sense. That's awesome. I like yeah. that actually. <clears throat> um, and then of course. Sid, uh, but Sid tells her when he's, when he tells this story, he says that I thought that I was liberating others, but instead he, what he was, I don't know. It was hard to tell what he was really saying, but he said, what I should have done was given them the hammer, but yeah. instead I just used the hammer and yeah, ended up them hammering them. Hammer, yep. Yeah. With, with my hammer instead of letting them help themselves. Yeah. Um, anyways, I thought that was really good. Yeah. This is going to play more into kind of the, his character arc moving into the part we're not going to get to today that we played up to but yeah i'll keep that a pin in that for later and then there's that stone in the center of town and there's a guy who's standing next to it and he's like was that stone glowing before <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was great because those yeah. stones you know it's really good it's fun. right um <clears throat> and then oh yeah um so as jill is talking to clive she says oh remember when i prayed to messia yeah. She goes, um, the goddess answered my prayers, yeah. basically, or met yet. My prayers were answered. And Clive's like, what are you talking about? That, Like, everything has sucked, and our lives have basically got yeah. destroyed, and we both Since want to die then. now. Right. And she goes, yeah, but I prayed that you would come back, and here you are. Here you are. Mm-hmm. It's like 13 years later, but yeah. you came back. And so yep. she, she, she believes in fate very heavily. Yep. Um, and yeah, then the comment about the the camera and all that stuff. And then I've got this one here and this is where I made the note, but I just kind of want to put it formally uh, the way that I wrote it. Uh, the blight talking about the blight as the bearers use too much magic and are overworked, their bodies turn to stone and life leaves them. The planet may be in a similar state. The more magic is taken from the planet, the less it can sustain life and the more likely it is to become desolate and immobile. What you're talking about is 100% correct. This is, this is the, the, this is what Sid's conclusion is that the ether that, that is being sucked out of the land and the blight they're talking about yeah. is not some sort of invading blight force illness. Right. It's just ether being sucked away from the land by the mother crystals. Yes. The mother yeah. crystals are constantly channeling and bringing in right. ether, which is sort of a, an, a natural element in the world. And it's just being gobbled up by these mother crystals. And mm. so that's why he's saying we got to destroy the mother crystals to stop the blight because they're the ones taking the ether in the first place. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. And then in that same thing, he says, um, if you take away the land's life force, then problems are all that's all that's left. Yeah. So um, anyways, it's pretty clear where he's going here, but I didn't really get it <laughs> until yeah. until a few hours later. Um, so yeah, then we go to the Phoenix Gate ruins. Yes. And so this is probably, well, we're going we're gonna to leave off after this section. So um, yeah. there's a lot more of the fallen ruins. There's towers, there's doors and gates, there's oh, all tons. kinds it's of this, whole, these structures that are a fallen. A whole dungeon. Yeah. yeah. And so you get there, and I, I loved, as you first arrive, you see the crater that was created by Yeah, when they Ifrit. went down. Yeah, the hellfire, and it just like blew everything apart, and he's just seeing like the aftermath <laughs> of what he did. He's just yeah. like, holy fetch. Yeah, that's like, crazy. But they see the hooded man there. Yep. Continuing to kind of like guide him inside. He goes in there, and you get to this door, where it's supposed to be that only the dominant, of uh, the Phoenix dominant specifically, is supposed to be able to enter this door. Yep. And it's where Joshua was supposed to go, the apothecary. Yeah, the to apothecary. speak with the ancestors, right? Yeah. 
the fallen ancestors. Yes. Right? Um, yeah, and it says that this whole place, it, they call it a relic of the fallen, right? So, anyways, it's going to, I have stuff later, but we're going to bring it up next episode. Yeah. <laughs> really uh, good stuff. But because Clive has been given a blessing of the Phoenix, he has some of the Phoenix's <clears throat> power. Yeah. He finds that he is able to touch the door and open it and go in. So he goes in, and it's just like, what on earth is this? this it was is alien Unbelievable. Stuff. I've never seen anything <laughs> like this before. Yeah. And they're being attacked by yeah. all of these- These aliens, uh, basically. Different, like, like machine. Like, almost like machines, right? Yeah. Uh, made from the same stuff that the buildings themselves are made of. If you look at the ATL for these enemies, it'll say that they can't be destroyed because they're, they're created from the same element as the structures. Right. But you can, like, you know, break the plates off and they sort of just like lose their life but right. like the actual element cannot be destroyed mm, itself very so anyway these things are attacking you you're going further and further in yep. it's getting crazier and you come to this mural um with what looks oh this was cool strikingly similar to safer sephiroth the final phase of Sephiroth in Final Fantasy VII. Oh, with the, yeah. The wings, the four wings yeah. up here, and then the two wings coming down, Going down from the legs. Yeah. Does he have horns, too? Um, no, but it's it's okay. just similar in the in the sense that there's the six wings. The six wings, yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, it, it cool. clearly looks like a dark god of some kind. <laughs> oh, for sure. And it's so cool because um, underneath the god is... Like this chaos, this chaotic nothing, yes. just like lines and just scribbles basically. And then it comes up to this like almost a peak, but there's like a crater in it, almost like a volcano. Yep. And then he's standing above it, right, with the wings and the way the wings are positioned, it looks like an ascent. Mm -hmm. So it's like a demon descending up yes. from like the chaotic underworld mm -hmm. and going upwards. And he's got these really long horns kind of staring at you. It's all black uh, against the wall. And we haven't seen anything like this in this game. Um, but... Clive seems uh, unusually drawn to it. Right? Yes. He's just like, he feels like he recognizes it. Yes. But we don't know what, what it is at the moment. Yep. Uh, but that was a really cool, um, a really cool, like, mural. Um, it makes it look like a demon with wings and horns and all that stuff. It's really good stuff. Um, but one other thing I wanted to mention before we get to this is that everything in this realm is made with circles. Like yeah. everything Tons is circular. Of circles everywhere. Everything. And like the ground, the way the doors open and stuff, it actually makes the shape. It's called a mandorla. It's a gateway kind of shape. You see it a lot in ancient European art. Um, and just circles, 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 circles everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is, and then they're called the fallen, right? These are yep. relics of the fallen, right? right? So not only does a circle typically represent heaven in artwork generally speaking especially from this from a medieval time period um but that this thing fell and it's made of circles right it's all yes. made of circles right? right so it's like okay this and it used to blot out the stars right this mm -hmm. was essentially like a heavenly race of of, yes. of beings right that fell to the earth and um that's kind of what this is all saying i think yeah um really cool and I think we're almost there. Yep, I'm at yeah. the part where time stops. So, yeah, he kind of approaches it, and then you get this crazy sequence. Very abstract in presentation, very cool. But the, the concept is here that Clive is going to do battle against his shadow. When, when we, we yes. refer to the shadow, it's actually the, called the they shadow. They make it obvious, yeah. <laughs> it's the Jungian shadow. Yeah. Uh, so we should probably, for those who have not seen we our... Should every other podcast we've ever done about <laughs> where the concepts of Jung find their way into them somehow, what the Jungian yeah. shadow is. <laughs> I'll let you take that away. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. 
So there's a part of you that is part of you that you ignore, that you pretend is not a part of you. Yes. You pretend you're above it because your culture and your parents and your life experiences and your media, the stories people tell, and the thing you want to be does not relate to this secret part of you that you pretend isn't there. You mm. pretend that, oh, I would never do anything illegal. I would never <laughs> do. But there's this part of you that, that just really wants to break things, really yeah. wants to hurt people, really wants to... Um, well, do all sorts of things. We'll put it yep. that way. You can think of it. Um, Freud would probably equate this more to the id. Yep, the id. And it's just your animal instinct that wants to just kind of do what it wants to do, so that the selfish genes can propagate into the future. You know, this is something that, like, I've noticed is so funny about like great comedians. Yeah, they often give a voice to the, this the id, dark the side of you. Yes, that people. <laughs> think but, but like you're not allowed to say, it say it or you're not allowed to do but yeah. we all we all relate to that you're right and when they get up there and they can say that and everyone can laugh it's because we've yes. all felt that before we but never like want to say it that there's um a certain level of you know social etiquette that exists that keeps yeah. us from doing that but we've all felt the longing to do that thing yeah and that's what the it is that's what the shadow <clears throat> is that's sure, what we're yeah. talking about yep and so if you really do some work and you close your eyes and meditate and you really search your soul, uh, you will realize that there are forces at work in your body, in your mind specifically, um, that are really trying to push you to do things that you would consider uncouth. Yes, put it that way. sure. And um, that's scary to realize that you have that in you. Yeah. That you could, if you were pushed hard enough, that you could kill somebody. Like that's especially in modern side back in ancient days, they're like, yeah, of course I could kill somebody. Nowadays it's like, we wouldn't dream of killing anybody ever for anything, you know? Mm. And then it's like, but, but that's in you, you, your ancestors were, were animals and probably some percentage of your ancestors were rapists, right? Yeah. And some percentage of them were not just murderers. They were like genocidal maniacs. Yeah. And that's your DNA, right? Mm -hmm. And it's in you. It's not something that, uh, anyways, I don't want to go too far into it, but let's just say that everybody has this part within them. That's the dark part that they try to hide. And if, if you hide it and ignore it, it's going to show up in different ways. It's mm. going to surface during the, the quiet times. It's going to, it's going to take over your deep thoughts and, and you won't know what to do about it because you are treating it as something that does not exist. Yeah. However, if you're aware of it, if you accept that everybody has these dark fantasies, that everybody has these moments um, where something else seems to kind of take control of them and they don't know what to, what to, what to name it. They don't know why this had, they don't know why they did what they did. They don't know, uh, what could have driven them to act that way? Um, those secret drives are hidden within the shadow. Yeah. And it's very helpful for you to accept that that is a part of who you are and to um, put it in its proper place uh, or to um, be aware of the things that drive you. This is what Jung said. If, if you fail to make the unconscious conscious, then you will be ruled by forces um, that you don't understand and you will call it fate. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but if you're able to, <coughs> you know, do what, what Jung, I think, or Jungians call shadow work, uh, you can make explicit those things and you can understand them and you can recognize them as parts of you kind of like inside out mm-hmm. that movie. Yep, yep. Like you're like the, the anger part of you. You, you can treat it as a part of you that exists and you can try to understand it. Um, and then that way you can avoid yeah. it ever taking control of you yeah. because you know, it's there. 
right? There's that saying, what is it? I think it's in the screw tape letters, right? That Satan wants to convince you that he doesn't exist, right? Yes, that that's right. the, and that when you pretend your shadow doesn't exist, that's when it has the most control over you, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of the idea. That yeah. I mean, this is the, this is the entire, um, sort of, uh, driving principle behind like addiction recovery programs. Um, and, right. and the idea is that, and that we went over this a little bit in our near automata podcast as well, where we were talking about Pascal and, and sort of the fire and brimstone way of teaching uh, fear right. and, yeah, and how yeah. this can actually do more damage. Right. We didn't really go into how, but this is one way in which it does hmm. it, 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 the creation of taboos within yes, ideologies. And yes. then, but the problem is, is that each of us has the shadow inside of us right. that has desires for those taboos. And there are things you should not do. So there yes. are taboos. Yes. So, yeah. But the problem <laughs> is <what? laughs> that we, we teach them as taboos. And so everyone keeps mm. it secret and represses it right. instead of being open about what they're feeling and that ah. being accepted because that's what, that's the way you heal it is by accepting that. Yes. Right. I am. The shadow is a part of me. And Alcoholics Anonymous is very good at that. Yes. Yeah. So it's all about, First of all, admitting that you have a problem yep. and accepting that That's it's a part of you. Step, right? Yeah. Yep. The acceptance is the first step. You yeah. have to accept. And we've talked a lot about acceptance in other podcasts we've done. Yep. Senua Sacrifice, Hellblade. Um, but acceptance is key, even in Jacob's Ladder, which is yet to go public. Uh, but acceptance is really, really big. Because yeah. without that, and, and the more you try to repress it and hide it, and, and the more shame you feel about it, the more it actually ends up controlling. That's what addiction right. is. Mm. You feel so horrible yeah. about the fact that this shadow is a part of you. You keep trying to deny that. Right. And, and then that it comes drives back. you yeah. harder and harder and harder into the behavior you don't want to do right. to feel better. It's weird, but it, that's how it works. Yes. That is what happens. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's essentially what the concept is all about is yeah. the way to get past the way to defeat your shadow is not to kill it, kill it, you or know, it's excise you. it, it from is you. you. Yeah. yeah you it's don't want to kill accept it. that. Yeah. That's who you, that's a part of who you are. Accept it. Yeah. And Admit to it. get rid of taboos and be open with people and be able to talk and realize everybody's struggling with the same thing right. and we can help each other and lean on each other. Uh, in order to avoid these things that are harmful behaviors or harmful to ourselves or to others or whatever it might be. You need to lean on other people. Yes. You cannot absolutely. fight that by yourself. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's, that's what we're seeing happening here is his acceptance that he was the one who killed Joshua. Yeah. He didn't watch it happen from afar. <laughs> and it in, was really in a black the and other white. dominant who did it. Yeah. It was me. That was, that's why I think it's part of his <laughs> repression. That, uh, that yeah. whole memory of him looking on from a distance yeah. and, and that that was the part he invented to try to repress the shadow mm. and not accept what he did. Right. And now he's finally willing to accept it. And so this whole battle against Ifrit is a representation happening in his mind. I think so. Yeah. Of, uh, and his way of slowly being able to start controlling this icon and right. it not control you can't him. control it if you're if you right. are putting yourself in a position of i have no control over this i think that's what ifrit represents in the story ifrit mm. represents his shadow that was controlling him yeah. because he was trying to repress that's and deny right. that it is him and it comes <laughs> up you can't repress things forever like no. they they bottle up like it's just the the emotions and the passions of the human body 
cannot so easily be overcome by just thinking about it. Yes. Right? Like they will control you one way or the other. Yes. You, it's better that you're in the driver's seat and you guide them like a rider riding a horse or something. Yes. Than that you pretend that mind over matter and those things don't control me and yes. that I don't have to. And then all of a sudden they show up, they emerge somehow and it's like a bomb. It's like a, it's like a dry ice bomb. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and then it just pops just, and then yes. you explode and you don't know why you did that. Yes. But it's, you, you have to come to terms with. Yes. The way to control your shadow is to accept that yeah. it's there and and become okay with that. Yeah. Not to fight it. Yes. <laughs> and and that's essentially what happens here with this battle. And so it's 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 really cool. It's yeah. a really cool scene. Um and uh I think it's very applicable. And I think that that's what he and that's why maybe in these icon battles, the further you go in the game, you this gain one was more cool. and more control of Ifrit. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. And you lose. Hey, I like and, that. And so, like, I like that. Yeah, at the at the start, anytime huh. Ifrit comes around, Clive has no control over no, what happens. No, it's all um, and people action have, time events. Is that yeah? What it is? People yeah. have have mentioned in the comments the yellow eyes versus a different color eye, which oh, one I represents control and one represents mm. not losing control. Like okay. uh, Benedicto, her eyes went like yellow. Okay. Before she lost control of Garuda, because uh, she did, right. that didn't happen to her before. That's right. a good point. Yeah. So, uh, I like that. As Clive accepts his shadow, he's going to start gaining more and more, more control. control over Ifrit yeah. through the course of the game. That's cool. I like yeah. that the gameplay. You know, that makes me like these icon battles a lot more. Yeah. Um, that the gameplay actually matches some story thematic elements. I think yeah. that's actually really cool. So, it's a really cool scene. I think there's some great spectacle, some great music. Um, the fight itself is pretty good uh, against Ifrit. And then, you know, you, you defeat Ifrit first, and then you, it's like the shadow. It's like Clive. It's like Dark Link, but it's Dark Clive. <laughs> you know, this <laughs> right? is good. This is um, <laughs> this is straight up um, The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. When Luke goes into the cave in Dagobah yep. system, and then he's fighting Darth Vader, and he's like, ooh, that's the guy I got to beat. It's another person. It's over there. Ooh, yep. got to fight him. Ha, me. I killed you. And then it shows the face. Yep. It was really his, it's his face. Oh, and wow. it's like, oh my gosh. And that's an analogy because George Lucas was big on Carl Jung yeah, stuff, right? And Joseph true. Campbell and all that. So that was Luke f struggling with his own shadow. Yeah. And that was his shadow presenting itself to him in a way that he now has to accept that's him. Yes. That he is slash could become Darth Vader. Yes. If he doesn't, if he isn't careful. Yes. with what his actions are. If you just go around fighting and if you try to kill your father, you become the new Darth Vader. It's you. Mm. And what you're really doing is you're just going to end up killing yourself, right? That's really profound. I love that in Empire Strikes Back. But this is basically that exact thing. He's entering into the shadow. He's wrestling with himself. And he sees that the person he's wanted to kill this whole time takes off the hood and it's him. Yes. Right? And that's straight up Empire Strikes Back. I love yep. it. It's so good. Yeah. And so you end up fighting the shadow form of himself. The shadow form of himself ends up, what do they call it? Semi-priming. Yeah. Right? Going into the halfway phase At first. between. Yeah. And then so you have to defeat that one. That's where Clive learns to semi-prime. That's so right. Then yeah. he's semi-primed fighting, and then he then he turns back. He goes all the way into. Because he's struggling <laughs> with it, he, but he's yeah. struggling with himself. And so when he conquers, when he conquers the semi-prime state, that's him conquering it I mean, it's it's him subduing it and him yeah. able to use it in the future yeah. in the real you know in yeah. the real world I, I also really liked he's like midway through the fight or somewhere in there and he's and he he sees this happen I think it's when the shadow shows up initially he goes 
you're still denying it. The yeah. truth is staring you right in the face. And then the younger version of himself comes and puts his, his arm on his, I his, love on his that, shoulder. I love that, by the way. And he's like, no, don't worry about it. Like, I'm not going to keep running from it anymore. Yeah. I'm accepting it. And that's when he can semi-prime and then like right. he starts gaining the abilities. Again, it's acceptance. The, diff the different parts of himself yeah. are like coming to terms with each other. Yeah. His 15-year-old self, this weird shadow, dark, evil, if itself, yeah. and then his ego current persona self right. is like they're all kind of like in communion with each other at this moment yes and that's like i don't know i loved it that yeah. was so cool it, it, i had a, a like a i'm not gonna go as far as to say yeah. this game is xeno gears level it's not it's but i got, I got xeno gears vibes from this scene me too with the younger version of the self there with the yeah. dark version of the self there um there was a little bit of the same stuff yeah. being explored with that clearly and I love this because he's come to terms with his younger self because the younger self is there next to him. Yeah. But he has not yet come to terms with that other part, you know? Yes. So he's, it's just, it's a process. He's slowly working it yes. in and he's slowly realizing that, you know, this happened, I've got to let go that. Yeah. And then, yeah, I love it. And he's literally gaining control, gaining yes. powers. As he subdues. From accepting the yes. truth. Yeah. Which is awesome. And so then he ends up fully priming. Yeah. And then the icon against that icon. That fight was, was cooler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, ends up defeating his shadow self, comes back out. and uh, It even yeah. says that. It says, you defeated um, Shadow Vanquish. Yeah, Shadow Vanquish. Shadow exactly, Vanquish. Yes. And I'm like, oh, this is so good. <laughs> yep. So good. Um, yep. And then uh, I have a few a few other notes before we leave. Before okay. before you do the go into the final phase, before you oh, finally yeah. end up defeating Ifrit through the action time events. Not a huge fan of the action time events. However, yes. Well, I'm still not a fan of this one. Actually, <laughs> this I thought this was hysterical. It says press L1 and R1 to accept. To accept. <laughs> I laughed at the same thing. I la I, I, laughed I laughed out loud. I was like, okay. I cannot believe it. Come on. Some subtlety here. Accept the truth. <laughs> Accept the truth by pressing L3 and R3. Come on, man. Come on. Oh my gosh. <laughs> don't was don't hysterical. hit me on the nose with a freaking sledgehammer, please. Like, I know. Let's try for some level of subtlety here. The scene is good. That part was freaking, really was freaking laugh out loud down, <laughs> in my opinion. The action time stuff. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not the huge fan, but that one was especially like, oh, please give me a freaking break. Yeah, it's, it's like they're hitting you on the hammer. Yeah. You know, Sid's talking about hitting people with the hammer. With the hammer. This yeah. game is hitting me with the hammer trying to like, and I'm like, dude, I get it. I get it. Okay. Maybe this is for like the, the younger kids. I don't know, but I guess so. It's really funny. Um, yeah. It's, so anyway. the one other insight that I have into this whole thing, just in general, um, is that I, I'm realized throughout all of this and as he accepts what happened and as it becomes more obvious, because it was, for me, it was mostly just a guess at the beginning. I was 99% sure, but that Clive was Ifrit, you know. Um, but it wasn't like, this is where it's essentially completely confirmed. Um, and I had some like biblical readings about Joshua, right? Mm. And those seem to be holding up pretty well. Um, I didn't know exactly what to do with Clive though, because... Well, if Joshua is essentially the Jesus character, then who's Clive? Like, <laughs> what's right. happening here? What's Clive doing? Well, we'll get a lot more into that next episode. I'm excited but, for it. Yeah. But this, at least to this point, I can throw another archetype into the mix here now. Mm. And that is, um, that's Cain and Abel. Yeah. Right. right? And it's not just because he kills his brother. Yeah. Right. But first off, Cain was the older brother of Abel. So Cain yeah. was older. But... The Lord favored Abel, not Cain, yes, right. which is the symbolic of the phoenix passing to Joshua, not yes, Clive. Right. So it's like, wait, why? Why did not get did God my not... inherit? Exactly. Yeah, why did you deny me my inheritance? What's what's up, God? You know, shaking your fist, like, yeah. dude, that's not cool. 
Um, and then through the the different turns of events, you know, finding out that you are the one that killed your brother, right? Mm-hmm. So he killed his brother. He was older. His the god favored his younger brother. Um, it, there's a lot of similarities here with Cain and Abel. Um, so I will say that Clive could at the moment be embodying something like Cain, but maybe a more redemptive, maybe a version of Cain that is capable of finding redemption later on instead of, you know, the biblical version of Cain, (laughs) which is, well, they don't really talk about him much afterwards. He he, he, goes off, has some kids, builds some cities, and then... Yeah, full demonic. But, I mean, there's definitely a demonic element to being the dominant of Ifrit, right? There is. Yes, there is. (laughs) For sure. Of Ifrit, especially with the horns, it's like a demon. It's it's Satan. You know, if Phoenix can be compared to, like, Jesus, then freaking... Ifrit is the is opposite like, of that. Totally the opposite. And that's totally, the, I mean, that's the, the imagery from the logo of the game. It's the <clears> phoenix <throat> and, the, and the Ifrit and Ifri. in battle. Yeah, yeah. And that's not just, probably it's not just because they actually battled in the game. It's probably because there's something more to it that you're hitting on that this is building up to. Yeah. Joshua is pitted against Clive. It's, that's why he's not just coming out and talking to him. He's trying to yeah. find a way to save him. Right. Without killing him. <laughs> but clearly he is against whatever fate or path that Clive is currently on right now. He's trying to stop him yeah. from wherever that's going. So I think that's also what's represented in the logo. But Very nice. Um, anyway, I think we're going to stop there. It's a good place. Okay. I loved that part, though. That was really good. It was good. Really good part it of it. It was good. I liked it a lot, too. Um yeah, I mean, next time we'll play all the way up, at, at maybe even a little further past the Drake's Breath. Not Drake's Breath, Drake's Head. Hmm. Uh, mission. Mission. Yeah. yeah. It'll prob- we'll probably good. go a little bit past that next time. So cool. at least get you know that far. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Peace out. <laughs>